0: This is Alex, I'm
1: from Boston.
0: Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford.
1: And we are the Premier, Premier Chelsea.
0: Chels. Hello and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea. On the last episode, we said it was going to be a messy World Cup, and no pun intended, it has been a messy World Cup so far to start. But look, there's good news all around. I'm back with Rahul, but we welcome Alex back after a long sabbatical again. Alex, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's nice to be back. It's difficult being an academic uh, prodigy and a sports <laughs> podcaster, but I'm, I'm trying to make it work. Look, it took a messy World Cup to bring you back into the podcast. So I think that's
0: one thing we can be all positive about, Rahul. It's been some interesting games so far, right?
2: it It definitely has, and uh, judging by Alex's background, he it looks like he was in a galaxy far, far away, uh, <laughs> but he's back, and it's good to have you back, Alex.
0: Thank you, thank you. All right, guys, let's jump into it. Rahul, I'll pass it to you because I know we want to talk a little bit about some of the games that have passed, and then we'll kind of do a lead up into some of the games that are coming up here in a minute.
2: Absolutely. So I mean, you've touched on it, the messy World Cup, uh just quickly going into that Saudi Arabia beating. Argentina to open uh, both the teams opening the campaign and uh, a shocking result that sent shockwaves around the world. I mean, I had people in my office that don't even watch the sport and be like, (laughs) what's going on with Argentina? Uh, So definitely a shocking result and uh, Argentina certainly up against it, but there have been other teams that have lost the first game and gone on to make it to the final or even win it in in the case of Spain. Uh, But the one that we want to touch on, especially with Alex being back, is the U.S. game against Wales. Uh, First game for both of them in Group B, uh, along with England and Iran. We'll touch on that uh, as we build up to the next game. But, Alex, the U.S. opening up their campaign. Story of two halves, really, in in the sense that dominant in the first half and then Wales come back, as you'd expect, in the second. But how did you see this game and and who impressed you? What did you make of the starting eleven that was picked and ultimately the decision to not bring Reyna on earlier or, or even maybe at halftime.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting one. I mean, certainly, as you said, it was the two halves were quite distinct. The first half, I was really impressed with the energy the U S brought out. I thought the lineup was quite good. Um, No, no real complaints there. I mean, that was a very, very strong team and the U S came out, they were pressing, they were immediately going for it and just trying to pressure the ball, make opportunities uh, it looked really, really good. Uh, Polisic picks up a really nice clean assist. Um, Timwaya gets a beautiful little slot home. And then at one nil, I was like, wow, this is the U.S. is really playing well here. Um, I almost I feel like we're almost talking about Chelsea here in terms of in terms of now, in fairness, I haven't been keeping up as much with the recent results, but the number of times we've sat here and discussed Chelsea being really strong, scoring a goal and then not killing off the game and then letting that come back to haunt them. I feel like that's really what happened here. Unfortunately we couldn't get a second goal before the half and then Wales just sort of turned it up to a different level. Uh, The U S slipped down a little bit and just weren't quite as energetic. They weren't coming out and winning the 50, 50 balls. I will say the referee did not impress me. I didn't, It's not that the U.S. were robbed. I think he made some pretty poor decisions on both sides, but it was very inconsistent with yellow cards. There were quite a few cards for U.S. players. I thought that Wales players probably should have gotten a card as well. Um, He wasn't great with, like, the advantage and the stoppage time. It it wasn't a super impressive refereeing performance. But you can't really complain. I mean, the U.S. can't have too many complaints having gone down – or not gone down, but having conceded to equalize – off Gareth Bale and a stupid penalty. So it is what it is. I'm not thrilled, but it could have been a lot worse. And at least we didn't open with a loss.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, you touched on it, and the stats kind of touch on it too. US six shots, one on target, Wales seven, three on target. But US had 59% of the possession, even after uh, in the second half, not being in that much control like they were uh, in the first. But I mean, it comes down to taking your chances, like we've been saying, not just you know, not just here, but generally in the game, you have to take your chances. Uh, Jackie, from from what you saw, I think Pulisic had a pretty strong game. A uh, lot was made before coming into this tournament around he's not playing enough, he's not getting enough minutes, but seems like it served him well because he's rested in a sense and he's he's raring to go.
0: Yeah, and I think we've said this on that podcast. While it's affected him for Chelsea-wise, I think on the U.S. front, everybody's like. He's not getting so many minutes, but he's probably the fittest he's been. He's probably the most rested he's been. He's probably the most hungry he's been. And so a lot of stuff. And again, I think that's something that Christian Pulisic suffers from is we all expect so much from Christian Pulisic every time. And that's something we don't want to put that weight on his shoulders, but he is a fantastic player. And on his day, we said he's one of the best wingers out there that can show up. I want to come back to the penalty for just a second here, because I think we had talked about this in the previous episode the U.S. team overall is a pretty young team. I think that's something that we had noted is most of the forward line midfield overall is pretty young. It's a little disappointing that the penalty came from so-called their senior player in Walker Zimmerman because I think that's when you want your senior center backs, in this case, both of them I think are over the age of 28, 29, to pay attention, not do a rash challenge, maybe usher the attacker out of there because that's the difference between we're going to take a draw versus we just beat Wales and we opened up this World Cup with a win, which is incredible.
2: Yeah, and I mean, 82 minutes, I think yeah. U.S. were in control and and to kind of lose it towards the end, not lose it, but drop the points, uh, which ultimately now puts the pressure on the next game and then the game after that because you do have to win at least one of those two and not lose the other one, which is, okay, you're going to play Iran in the last game, but you've got to play England, and I know Alex and I are going to get into that. Uh, renewing, I guess, our banter from the Euros, Alex, uh, with the waistcoat ball and all of that. But uh, let's jump over to the English side. I mean, I don't think anyone expected that kind of performance in the first game. Jackie, you had mentioned the last episode that, you know, England are coming into this a little bit shaky, out of form. Uh, You know, players are picked based on, I guess, history, not form. But all of that goes out the window when they go, what, 3-0 up inside 40 minutes
0: listen I think I've had to eat humble pie a few times on this podcast (laughs) if I was flexible I'd be putting my foot in my mouth right now because I think everything you said is accurate I didn't think again to roll back a little bit and talk about the opponent I think on paper England was expected to win right I think they're supposed to be beating a team like that but you look at it and you go they had a poor run-up to this tournament they picked players like Harry Maguire who's played very little football so you're wondering how is this going to play out but Rahul, Alex, they started like a house on fire. I think they want to doubt everybody out there and say, look, whatever you said to us, we're going to prove you the opposite. And it was nice to see the younger guys. I think Marcus Rashford and Bukayo Saka, who unfortunately suffered a lot of hate, a lot of abuse in the previous tournament where they missed penalties. And and that can happen to anyone, but that hasn't affected them on the big stage. They come back, they put in performances. Harry Kane is flying. He's not scoring necessarily, but assisting, working the channels. I think very, very complete performance. It took me by surprise. I expected a win, but not to that magnitude.
2: I, I don't think England themselves expected this this win. and They put in the performance, and all credit to them. But I think you have to look at the opponent at some point and say, what were they doing? I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on them, but from what I've heard, they didn't play their first-choice holding midfielder shades of Pep Guardiola in, in the Champions League final um, and opened themselves up, I guess, to to this kind of a result where we've seen what Saudi Arabia did earlier today. Iran, I'm not saying are in the same kind of league, but they could have come out and and made it tough for England and they didn't. And uh, Alex, from everything that you've seen from England, especially Garrett Southgate over, I guess, the last 18 months or so going back to the Euros, this seems like one of the best performances under him, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a good performance, and you can't take that away from them. I will say, looking back at England's record, it's the first game they've won internationally um, in seven straight games. They've had three losses and three draws in the past six. So I, I don't want to read too much into it and say, wow, Gareth Southgate magically has them playing like prime Barcelona. Um, I think definitely the fact that, as you said, there was a bit of a tactical adjustment. Um, I know that's one major criticism that England fans have had of Garrett Southgate is that he's just too conservative and England have this bright young generation with a lot of exciting attacking talent and they're wasting it playing defensive players, defensive formations. So that's certainly a promising sign. I'm sure England fans will be very encouraged by the by the performance um, and I think ultimately it just goes to show that even when you're not entirely sure going into the tournament, whether a coach is going to be ready or the player's going to be ready, or the team's going to be ready. I and mean, there's so much uncertainty and, and media noise and everything. But at the end of the day, these are really top notch players. They're, they're playing in the premier league. They're at the highest level. They're young, they're hungry, they're talented. And at a certain point, players are going to perform. So I think I don't want to let Southgate off the hook yet and say he's magically discovered how to get the best out of this squad, but it's a very encouraging step in the right direction. Um, And I think, I think England will obviously present a serious threat when the U S comes to face them. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, Jackie, Alex mentioned it, but the tactical switch here was we've seen Southgate play a back three for most of the time that he's been, with England. In this game, he goes with the four, a midfield three of Bellingham, Mount, and Rice, and then up front, Saka, Kane, and Sterling. And it's, it's key to point out that scoring six goals, Harry Kane didn't even get one of them. Yes, he got a couple of assists, but uh, what did you make of this tactical switch? And ultimately, what did you make of Mason Mount in that kind of number eight position? I think he had one of his best performances in an England shirt.
0: Yeah, and I think for Mason Mount, that's definitely something that we expect. I think we know that he can play multiple roles. And I think going to this tournament, we knew that Garrett Southgate would try and fit his so-called favorites into positions that would work. And, and I'm not trying to single out Mason Mount here. I think it's, it's something where maybe some of the injuries have helped him, Rahul and Alex. Maybe he's had to make changes that fit the players. And, and look, we want that to be the way that works, right? We want him to pick the players that are available and then adjust the tactics adjust the formation accordingly to get the best out of these guys i mean look at jude bellingham i think he's 19 and he he ran that midfield alongside the likes of declan rice and mason mount and i think that's really important to to note but i want to flip this on you rahul because you've been asking us a lot of the questions and so i'm going to ask you a question we talked a lot about maybe iran got their tactics wrong and you know gareth Southgate's figured it out and alex made some good points it is iran let's not get ahead of ourselves and to alex's point Six goals scored, two conceded. And I think in the last episode, we missed Alex. And one of the things we talked about is winning a World Cup, winning a major tournament. Typically, it's built on defense first, and then you kind of work your way up. So while it's six and we're all jumping and excited, I think let's reel it back in for a second and say, conceding two, is there a problem we should be watching out for with England here? Because going into Wales and going to the USA, that might be a different challenge altogether.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern and a negative on the day when you look at all the positives that were uh, you get out of this game. But the way I look at it, I mean, he tried something different. He got the result that he wanted on the attacking side, which was the the goals, the, the fluid play. Uh, and he knows maybe in a four, he opens himself up in the team to, to the attack and the op- opposition. Mind you, one of them was a penalty right at the end. Uh, but that may point towards a tactical switch maybe in the bigger games or games where the teams he knows have more of an attacking threat. And uh, that would mean going to a three, maybe switching things around. Maybe he went with the four in this case, like you said, with the personnel that was available as Kyle Walker comes back, maybe he switches things up. But uh, what I did like was that he was able to give minutes to like Callum Wilson, who's, who's, Always going to be an understudy to Harry Kane, but he comes on. Marcus Rashford, you pointed out, one of the first touches was the goal for him. Uh, so it's good to have those guys on the bench in good form to come in and, and make the difference when you need them and not to throw them on the 120th minute and say, go score a penalty for me to win the tournament. So uh, it's a good start, like you've both said. But again, it's it's only a start and you've got to make it all the way to the end. Uh, can they do it? we'll find out but let's let's go into the next game which is the USA. Uh, Alex is this a must win for USA or can they afford to drop points here and still move on to the next round?
1: It's it's certainly a don't lose. Um I think obviously you want to go out looking to win every game. At the same time it's not going to be easy if they don't get anything of of a result i mean uh one point would be really really good um because that would essentially theoretically get us through if we could beat uh if we could beat iran but i think ultimately there's no there's no way to sugarcoat it it's we really really need three points the sooner the better there are two more games i mean to, to play in this group stage so it's it's not it's not the kind of thing you can go out saying let's be conservative let's just uh just sit back. I mean, the U S has to come and play and they have to come and fight and, and try to match England. And I think, I think hopefully I know the U S maybe didn't have the most, the most promising second half, at least of the, of their, their first game and England obviously impressed, but I think hopefully the U S players will step up to the occasion and make this a real tough challenge. Um, because I think, Ultimately, the quality is there. England certainly have a deeper squad. They've got some of those big star names. But the U.S. is – this isn't the U.S. team from, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. This is, again, sort of like England in their own way, young, talented, hungry guys. So I'm cautiously optimistic that we will at least make it difficult for England and not just let them walk all over us.
2: Yeah, and, and look, I mean, when you look at the starting lineup against the Wales team – I want to say 10 out of the 11 do play in Europe. So it's a different kind of mindset from the past generation of, of U.S. teams that have come into a tournament to play the likes of England where Pul- Pulisic is going to look around and say, well, I play with Mason Mount on a regular basis. I play with Raheem Sterling on a regular basis. Uh, Adams is going to look around and say, well, I've beaten uh, you know one of these guys in the Premier League already this, this season. So that kind of aura or, or feeling towards we're not as good as them kind of goes out the window because these guys are getting in and around, uh, you know, the, the so-called stars of the English team. Uh, Jackie, do you think being an underdog suits the U S team better in this situation? Because we almost expect them to defend and, and stay tight and then kind of use the likes of Pulisic, Wea, Reina, who I think comes into this game to exploit England on, on maybe the counterattack.
0: I think we expect them to do that but I don't think they will. I think the United States is is a team and the way they want to play is expansive and fast and attacking and I think one of those things where if you're an underdog I think it it suits them like you said. I think I even saw a little video this this week where the president of the US actually called them and said, "You guys are the underdog." I mean, everybody understands that not because they're not good footballers. I think You look at it on the scale of the talent that's coming to the World Cup and the likes of Brazil that have won five or six World Cups and Germany that have won a few and Spain that had those seasons where they dominated back-to-back tournaments. And so you are the underdog because you're coming into this tournament and no matter how good you are, you have never won one. And so it doesn't matter if you've got – Champions League winners and Premier League winners and uh, Serie A winners, you've never won the World Cup as a group. And so you're definitely going to come in as an underdog. And and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If I'm Greg Ber- Berhalter, I'm looking at my team, and I'm going to borrow a famous quote from another manager and say, I wouldn't say we have to win. I wouldn't put that pressure, but we cannot lose. And I think that's important because I think at this point, this is probably one of the hardest games that they have to overcome. And like we're all talking about here, if they don't win, it puts more pressure on the team to then go get the results against the likes of Iran. And you're then saying, do mistakes creep in? Can a surprise come in? And so while I expect them to be expansive, I'm looking at the the senior guys at the back and say, protect your team. Don't make mistakes. Don't give away penalties and allow the flair players to do what they need to do.
2: And, Comparing Greg Berhalter to a, a certain Jose Mourinho's is <laughs> quite a, quite a big step there, but uh, Alex, we're talking about Berhalter. We're talking about Southgate. I know you're a big fan of both of them. Uh, how do you expect this playing out? Do you think it's going to be more conservative from the U S and, and England, maybe on the front foot, or do U S come out and try to match them in the hopes that they can kind of put England on the back foot and, and assert their style upon the game?
1: I think, I think the game will start with some energy because I just think the U S especially, they know it's a a big, big match. Um, I won't, I I mean, I won't call it like a historic rivalry, maybe in terms of like, like real history, not like soccer history, (laughs) you (laughs) call it a a, like military rivalry of the past, a little 1776 part two, uh, going on. Um, but I think, I think the U S players know how much it means and they'll go out strong because you can't, you can't be trying for, I mean, what, eight years to, to waiting for eight years to have the opportunity to play in a world cup, um, working for it every day, hyping up the tournament, get a draw in your first game and then not come out with the, the feeling that there's a fire lit under you. I mean, the players have to step up and I think they will, because that's how they got to this level in their careers. They, they, can handle the pressure they know how to perform and that's why they're they're picked to be on this stage so I think the U.S. will come out I don't know if they'll assert their style over England I think it might be a little scrappy and a little back and forth from the beginning and then I could see some periods where England is putting on the pressure and as Jackie said that's when you just need your defensive guys to keep things calm keep things locked up at the back um, and just weather the storm a little bit and then wait for those kind of moments to counterattack or to link up some play up top to make an impact substitution. We'll see. But I think both teams will come out and play, hopefully, um, because I think you just have to. The U.S. can't afford to sit back and I can't see those players wanting to sit back.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's what we're hoping for as fans is we we get a great game and we get goals out of this because both teams have some fantastic players. Alex, I want to stick on you and, and I asked you this earlier about Reyna not getting on in the first game. He says he's 100 percent Is he the one obvious change you make to the lineup for the England game? And if so, who are you who are you replacing in in that squad
1: that played Wales? I mean, that's that's a tough one. I think he's obviously a very talented player and you want to get him on the pitch if possible. I mean, looking now at the at the squad that faced Wales. It's a little difficult. I think maybe the most natural switch would be to get Wea up top in place of Sergeant and then get Reyna. Um, so so swap Sergeant for Reyna and then maybe put Wea at the number nine, which he has played. And I think as we saw, he's a capable finisher. Um, so I don't think we lose a ton there because Wea can dribble as well. So it's not like uh yeah, I I don't think we'd lose a ton making that switch. So maybe, maybe that's the natural, natural move. And assuming Reina is a hundred percent and he's not just kind of really itching to get out there because he can't afford to have a player who's risking either greater injury or going to hold the team back, but assuming he's all good to go. I think you've got to just put your most talented players on the pitch. And the the fact is Reina is more talented than Sergeant in an attacking capacity. And I think he would really help bring a bit of trickery to the team. So hopefully, hopefully we do see that change made, (laughs) but, but I'm not, uh, we know Berhalter, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I mean, if, if the same team walked out that faced Wales, I wouldn't be crying, but I'd be looking for a halftime Reina sub at least.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that was the biggest story coming out of that game, apart from dropping points, was was not seeing Reina. And I think if he's saying he's 100%, I think he did handle it pretty well in terms of, I'm 100%, but the boss makes the decisions and I, I support those decisions. Uh, but for a second game to maybe not start him and, and not give him more than 45 minutes would be serious questions, especially if the result doesn't go go the right way. Uh, Jackie, from the England perspective, do you just put him out there again and say, go do, do the job boys, because confidence is up. Everyone put in a great performance. I know McGuire went off with an injury, uh, but apart from that, I think he made subs up front with, the other four guys, Mount Sterling, Saka, and Kane. Kane, I think, has a knock on his uh, right ankle, but again, I think he should be okay. So any changes for you to the England side?
0: Before I answer the England question, I want to just address the elephant in the room. I think when you alluded to the fact that Alex liked Southgate, I could see him swallow his tongue in that moment. He wanted to say something <laughs> and say, I don't support west Coast football and all of this. But look, it's England versus USA. It's a big game. But coming back to your question, I think you've got to do that, right? They're, they're coming off a good result. They're coming off what you, some might consider you know, a high and say, there's not really much you want to change. I think one thing I would be careful of is not to disrespect the United States. And as I make this statement, I want to respect Iran at the same point. There is a gulf in quality between Iran and the United States. And so, yes... Similar teams, similar players, maybe similar tactics even, but don't come out there and think the game is in the bag because you had a six goals against Iran. I think the USA have something to prove, like we've alluded to. They're the underdog, and so you might be coming in and thinking it's a walk in the park, but I think England have to put reasonable effort into this game to secure it, and I think the important thing of this is you don't want to waste time and then go to the next game against Wales where maybe Wales are pinching to try and get into that second spot. And then it becomes the same situation that the U S might be in if they don't get a result in this game. And so ultimately I think same kind of, you know, focus, be attentive, make sure you don't give away sloppy balls and then figure out from there, how do you get the results and take it home from there?
2: Yeah. And, and the, that point on Wales is great because Wales, Iran played before England and USA play. So they'll know exactly what happened in that game and what is needed uh, in terms of USA because if Wales win, you know that Wales are sitting in second or first actually because they would have four points. So England themselves would have to get something out of it. Uh, Alex, I, I think Jackie noticed something I didn't. So was there a comment there you wanted to make about waistcoat ball? And, and uh, are we putting a bet on this like we did in that final of the Euros between Italy and, and England where – uh, what was it? I think you said if if England win, you were
1: going to support waistcoat ball or
2: something like that?
1: Uh, well, luckily, luckily, England predictably choked, And I do not have to support <laughs> waistcoat ball, which I don't plan to. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I think you'd have to be you'd have to be an idiot not to take some feedback. And I don't think Gareth Southgate is an idiot. I think he's obviously, as we said, he's he seems to be, a little more flexible now he's had some time to work with the team he's got some talented young players so as much as I like to hate on him at the end of the day he's putting out a very threatening squad and the U.S. is going to have to deal with it and regardless of what he says you've got 11 hungry top-notch players out there who are going to be doing everything they can to get the win so I, I can't even really I can't even really criticize them right now because I I don't want to add any more fuel to the fire. I just want to <laughs> see the boys go out there and and get it done.
2: You rather let them do the talking on the pitch. Um, all right, let's get to predictions then. Jackie, I, I'll let Alex think about it for a second. I know which way he's gonna go, but how do you see this England USA game going?
0: Look, I think it's going to be a very, very tough game, but I think England have enough in the tank to get it done. So, to all the US listeners, I apologize for this <laughs> prediction. I don't want to get cancelled right now, but I've got to go with what my gut feeling is. I think it's going to be two nil to England.
2: Two nil. All right, Alex, what are your thoughts on the score?
1: Ah, uh, I think I think it's going to be two one USA. I think the US, I think the US grabs a goal first. England pile on the pressure, equalize, and then the U.S. gets a late winner. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm I'm going for a tentative U.S. win. Late winner, he says. All right. Well, I, I mean, I, to continue, I guess,
2: our internal rivalry here between Alex and myself, I'm going to predict it the other way, 2-1, uh, to England. Again, to our U.S. listeners, this is just more to to kind of spice it up between Alex and myself. Uh, if the U.S. win, I'd be totally satisfied with that, but I think I'd like to see an Alex reaction, kind of a meltdown maybe on, on his Instagram uh, if the if U.S. don't get it done. Uh, but 2-1 to England, I think they can get the job done. It's going to be a tougher game, obviously, than the first one, uh, but if they get it done, they I think they qualify automatically, uh, at least from the group stages. I'm not sure if it would be first or second, but... That'd be a great achievement, and maybe against Wales, they might ref some players just so that Alex has a little more heat in this in in building up towards Southgate. I'm just joking. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game, and and this is what the World Cup's all about. And and hopefully, they can both teams can put up a good show and and give us a good game. Um, so, Alex, Jackie, and I can jump into the uh, Ghana Portugal build up. I know you just got back from school. It's a little bit later here. So we appreciate you joining us. Thanks for for coming on, and uh, we'll be in touch before and after the game.
1: Sounds good. I I will be ready to react in whatever way is appropriate (laughs) to what happened. I'm I'm sure you will. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. See you soon.
2: All right, Jackie. So that's the Friday game. Thursday is when Ghana start their uh, campaign against Portugal. Uh, Mr. Ronaldo, who's now a free agent and looking for a club, he may end up at our club, Chelsea. Uh, but let's talk about this game. I mean, we've played them in the past, I believe, in the last, not the last World Cup, but the one before that. And if I'm not wrong, I think we lost 2-0, but it was a tight game. We gave them a tough game. I think ultimately they came out on top. It's a new generation of players coming through. I mean, maybe a couple were were there back then, but... It's a tough game, and when you look at this, it's Portugal, then we have, uh, you know, South Korea, and I believe we have Uruguay in that final game, so what, what are your thoughts on this game?
0: Yeah, first of all, I think it's one of the toughest groups that Ghana could have drawn. I think full respect to all of the guys in there. I said that last time. I don't want to call it the group of death, but South Korea, big team, big personalities, hardworking team. Uruguay, we know our history over there with them. Portugal, top talent, but I think I have to address the elephant in the room. I think if there was ever a time to play Portugal that could benefit Ghana, Cristiano Ronaldo may have done that for us. I think with all of the drama surrounding him and Man United maybe coming with an assist by terminating his contract, by mutual consent, I must add that in there before Man United fans come for me, by mutual consent, I think there's enough noise, there's enough buzz, there's enough murmurings and maybe some of that leaks into the locker room Rahul and all eyes are going to be on the starting 11 because it's going to be a whole loop of if he starts let's talk about it if he doesn't start let's talk about it so I think inadvertently what he's done is maybe harm Portugal's chances but look I could just be silly saying stupid things on the podcast and Ronaldo could score a couple of goals and I'll be like let me go find my shoe again to put it in my mouth because this is what happens but to my original point, I think this is the best storm that could have happened for Ghana, and it could create the distraction that we need.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last time the two played was in 2014, and Ronaldo ended up scoring the winning goal in a 2-1 win. I said 2-0, but it was actually 2-1. Um, so, look, he, he scored against us before, and he usually tends to to score against teams for fun. But I think you're right. The the drama, the distraction, the the news, the media, everything is going to be focused on him, especially after the news related to United today. Uh, but again, I think he got what he wanted. And, and I still haven't watched the interview in full. I know you have. That was the goal of that interview, I believe. And, and he got it. He, he's free now. Where he ends up, we'll find out. But uh, a little bit of history, I guess. Ghana will make their fourth appearance at the World Cup, each of those coming in in the 21st century. They've only failed to progress uh, past the group stage once, which was in 2014. So the last three times they've made it out. Uh, And Portugal are winless in their last three opening games of a FIFA World Cup tournament, drawing two and losing one. So it points towards hopefully something good for us. I look at some of the other African teams that have played. Senegal were very good against the Netherlands, eventually falling to 2-0. Tunisia drawing against Denmark. And uh, we're going to be playing, obviously, uh, Portugal. I know Cameroon plays Switzerland. So there's a couple of European-African matchups coming up. And hopefully we can come out on top because it doesn't get easier from there. And if we know something, if you get points on the board, a draw here, another draw there, and and you're good to go, and you're and you're making it to the next round, which is what we'd like to see.
0: Look, I'm glad you mentioned a draw because I think a draw against Portugal would not be a bad result for Ghana. I think it's something that we can hold our head high and say we can build from here. And again, this episode might be all about showing respect, and and I want to show respect to all of the teams, but realistically on paper, Portugal is probably the hardest team that we're going to face. Again. I say this with a grain of salt. It's not like Uruguay and South Korea are going to be walks in the park by any means. They're difficult teams. But if you get over what I consider the, the toughest opponent and get a draw, squeak a draw out of it, that'll be brilliant. And look, from a from a Ghanaian perspective, we did not qualify for the 2018 World Cup. So we have something to prove, Rahul. We have something to come out all guns blazing. And look, similar to the conversation we are having with Alex, right? everybody's expecting Portugal to come out and steamroll Ghana. So we have nothing to ro- lose. If we go out there and we lose four 0 eh, we expected Ghana to lose. If we lose two 0 we expected Ghana to lose. But how brilliant is it if we go out there, play our football, squeak a one nil win, maybe draw the game, nail, nail. And everybody would say, well, here's something we need to pay attention to because ultimately getting out of this group stage is important. And then from there, knockout football continues.
2: Absolutely. So, what are you predicting here? A 1-0 or a
0: 1-1? I'm going for a nail-nail. I'm going to say that we're going to hold it tight and conservative. I think Cristiano is going to be looking for his new contract on the right, on the left. <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't have time to look for goals, but a nail-nail would be a brilliant result for us, and we can build from there.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to go for a draw, too. I'm going to go for a 1-1. Uh, I do see Portugal scoring, but I do also see us getting a couple of chances, and hopefully, unlike Senegal, we can take advantage of that because if they had scored, it would be a completely different game. Uh, Before we wrap it up, Jackie, so far, what have you made of this tournament? There have been some some surprising results. We touched on it in the opening. Uh, There have been some good results in terms of Ecuador coming out and putting on a good performance against the host. Uh, And then there's been England, who completely surprised everyone with with a big win.
0: Yeah, I think it started like a World Cup should start. It should start with some fire, some excitement, some energy, and then some curveballs. You're looking at, saying, a poor England performance, and here they are. And you're looking at, it's going to be Lionel Messi's last chance, potentially, to win a World Cup. And then Saudi Arabia come and do what they need to do. And so we're all watching very, very closely and wondering who's going to take this, because so far on paper, Raul, a couple of predictions that we've made are not coming true. And so we have to sit back and watch. So maybe our predictions after this will be mute, but... At the same time, I'm enjoying watching the football. It's a little bit difficult with the time difference. But look, you got to wake up early. You got to figure out a time during afternoon, maybe squeak in a game during lunchtime. But it's a wonderful tournament so far,
2: and you get to enjoy beer at home instead of not at the stadium. So <laughs> uh, now, jokes aside, i I oh and I do want to give some praise to France because we've seen previous win winners coming into the group stage and not making it out, making it difficult for themselves. They did make it difficult by conceding today, but they came back, and and one man that deserves praise is Olivier Giroud, and I I know you're a big fan of him. Uh, Tied record goal scorer right now for the French national team with Thierry Henry, and I think he's done it in 10 or 11 less games, and he still has the rest of this tournament to not only surpass him, but has set his own record, which for a man that's not known for goal scoring, I mean, Giroud, Always pops up with the goals. Yes, he did in the last tournament where they won it. But here he is scoring two. And he's one that's aging. We call Thiago Silva fine wine. I think Olivier Giroud is certainly up there with him.
0: Absolutely. And look, for a man that doesn't always get the recognition, this might be a a lovely way for him to end his chapter with France. And then what a beautiful way for us to end the podcast saying that Olivier Giroud get that extra goal and you'll be France's all-time top goal scorer.
2: Yep, and and Chelsea fans still support him and wish him the best, which is points to his professionalism. But anyway, that wraps it up, guys. Uh, if you're listening in the U.S., wishing you a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy it with your family. Enjoy the meal. Enjoy the, the games throughout the day. And obviously on Friday, England-USA, which is the big one. Uh, we will be back with the review of those games and some of the other games. We'll see how it ended up between Alex and his favorite manager, Garrett Southgate. Uh, but until then, stay safe and it's coming home wherever home may be. Hey
0: guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code, TPCOFFEE15, to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.